0: Welcome to the Social World Podcast, I'm Dave Niven, and I wish you all a prosperous and a happy 2015. I hope you all had a good break and uh, are geared up for the year to come. Now, today I'm going to put a podcast together with Jane Devine, who's the Business Manager for Social Work Scotland. Social Work Scotland used to be um, the Association of Directors of Social Work, um, and formulates policy, oversees so much within the system and um, organises the landscape to a large extent of social work in Scotland. And Jane, as the business manager, has got some terrific insights into the year ahead as far as Scottish social work is concerned, as well as good insight into the landscape of social work in what's been a momentous year in 2014 for that country. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce Jane Devine. Well, welcome to the Social World podcast. I'm joined today by Jane Devine. Hello. Jane, hi, Jane. Now, you're the business manager for Social Work Scotland. I want just could you just clarify what Social Work Scotland is, please.
1: Social Work Scotland is an organisation that's been in existence um, essentially for about 40-odd years since the Social Work Scotland Act in 1968. Um, We rebranded last year. We were originally called the the Association of Directors of Social Work, and we had that title for for about 40 years. Um, We had a review last year, and we decided to focus not just on social work within local authority contexts, but social work Wherever the profession's practised. And as part of that review, we, re, we renamed ourselves Social Work Scotland. Um, it sort of fits in with the direction that social work's going in Scotland at the moment with integration of health and social care services and increased reliance on in volunteer and independent sector providers. So we felt that was... That was the way to go.
0: Yeah, so just just a small job then.
1: Just tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, it focuses um, on the leadership of the profession. Um, we've got, there are other organisations like the Scottish Association of Social Work, um, which works with BASWA, um, but they they focus on on other other sections of staff. What we focus on is a, is a more senior staff. Although anyone anyone can be can be a member as long as mm-hmm. you are involved in the
0: provision of social work services. Mm-hmm. And you're also, of course, involved in the kind of challenge and, and kind of formulation discussion about policy, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we've got quite a number of roles. Um, we, we're there to represent the profession and the people that the profession seek to support. Um, we advise COSLA, which is a convention of Scottish local authorities, mm-hmm. sort of equivalent body to the LGE. Um, so we're their professional advisors on issues to do with social work, social work policy um, and we also advise government. We've got a really good relationship with the Scottish government um, and are brought in to advise on new pieces of legislation and policy as well.
0: No, that's good. Thanks for explaining that because um, there's quite a lot of our listeners who are abroad and therefore it's fascinating to, to sort of have them described, you know, the, the, the way that social work is structured in Scotland. Yeah. So business manager then, I mean, that, that sounds an all-encompassing role aspect you're going to tell me it is. I mean, what are the main things that you focused on?
1: I've got a team at the moment of four staff. We've got one vacancy at the moment, so it should be five at full complement. Um, and what my role is to do is really basically to coordinate the work of the association We're structured with six standing committees. Um, We have one on children and families, community care and criminal justice, so that's that's the three main policy standing committees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, one on substance misuse because we felt that that merited uh, a group to discuss those policy issues on its own. And two, supporting standing committees on resources and on um, organisational development. So they then report into an overall executive committee and we have separate meetings with chief social work officers as well, of which there are one for each local authority in Scotland. Uh, That's a statutory role. Um, My job is to make sure that in all of the work and all of the committees and all of the representations to government and all of the support to local government and all of the work with the media that we are um, working towards our priorities of having an effectively led organisation that represents a profession at a senior level uh, that leads the profession and that makes sure that basically everything that we do is focused on the people that we're trying to support. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a my role is, is really to coordinate the work and make sure that we're all we're all running in the same direction really.
0: No, that's fine. What about that? What did you do in the afternoons? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not as bad as that. We're a really good team, and, uh, uh, and we employ professional social workers. Uh, I'm, I don't have a social work background, um, although I've worked in the policy area for a long time. But you do need that. The, you do need people who have that professional knowledge to be able to make it work, and, and they're, they're excellent members of staff.
0: Okay. Well, look, let's get let's talk about a wee bit about one of the initiatives that are going to be very very high up the priority list for you in two thousand fifteen and that's the image of social work and the way that social work is represented in the media the way that the social work works with the media and so forth mm. and I, b- I believe that social work scotland is is convening a, a number of events um, to look at this and to 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 plan policy accordingly is that a fair sort of statement
1: yes uh, um, we we're, we're very lucky in scotland and although we don't have a cabinet minister with a with a a sole purpose of social work, to represent social work. It's spread across three of the Cabinet Secretary's posts. We do have a Chief Social Work Advisor for Social Work, um, and Alan Beard, who who I believe you've had on um, your your podcast previously, um, used to be a director, was the president, sorry, of um, ADSW, which is now Social Work Scotland, before, and we've got a very good relationship with him. Um, And he decided uh, to convene a working group to look at a strategy for social work services in Scotland and part of that strategy was the public image and promotion of the, of the social work services and of the profession mm-hmm. and he asked me to convene the working group on that. Um, that report and the strategy will be published um, on the World Social Work Day in March of uh, 2015 And one section of it obviously is about is about the promotion the image of social work and um, I'd worked previously on a PR strategy for social work uh, in 2007 um, and worked with a number of authorities and, um, and individuals to try and really explain to people what social work's about with the hope that if they understand it better it might have a slightly better image than it does get uh, in the press sometimes so this strand is really kind of from my point of view, taking that work a bit further forward mm-hmm. and not just doing it within local authorities, but uh, with regard to our new membership and, and opening our membership up to different sectors, actually saying that we're all in this together and um, we're all trying to support the same people and give them the help that they need. And actually having a really negative view, if that is what the case is, uh, of social work in the press isn't, isn't really helpful. So, so we're sort of focusing on that at the moment. Um, we're working with um, Professor Stephen Webb from Glasgow Caledonian University to look at social licence for social work and how you get the public to actually buy into what it's all about. I mean, mm-hmm. social work's vast, as anyone who works on it knows from criminal justice to supporting children to um, supporting families, older people, uh, substance misuse. And what individuals in the social work profession do is it, it can be quite different. And I think trying to get that public understanding of a service that many people in the public actually haven't accessed. Uh, we, we did some research a few years ago that looked at something like, I think the conclusion was about almost 80% of people will come into so- contact with social work services at some point. But for most of us, that might be... Uh, getting support for an elderly relative Mm -hmm. and so it might not happen till a certain stage in our lives um, and it it might be a different um, type of experience than someone who is receiving social work support when they really don't want to. Um, So there isn't that great understanding, I mean everyone knows what a teacher does, everyone's been to school, everybody's been to the doctors, they know what a GP does, people know what police officers do. Um, So I think the sort of starting point for the strategy was to say like if people understand a little bit better about so, what social workers do and who they are, then that, that might help. So, so that was the starting point for it. And, and I suppose that might be quite easy to, to get your head around. It's then how you do that.
0: Well, exactly. It's quite tricky. I mean, I imagine there's two things in there. Firstly, I mean, you quite rightly said social work covers the entire lifespan. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> also, though. I mean, given your experience before, which is probably very handy for what you're about to do from, say, you mentioned 2007, et cetera, uh-huh. what were the major challenges that you felt came up then, or what were the major problem areas that you found were most difficult to um, get across, to implement? I mean, where were the obstacles? Because obviously that'll inform an awful lot of what you do this time round.
1: There, there were a number, and I suppose from, from different points of view. Um, A lot of the professionals that we spoke to had talked about, they need to get, you know, good news stories into the press. And that's not easy. Um, You know, it might be very interesting what people do day to day, but whether somebody's going to buy a newspaper to read that or whether an editor's going to say... That's fine, we'll put that in. We're quite lucky in that we've got in the the Herald newspaper, it used to be the Glasgow Herald, but the Herald newspaper in Scotland has a society section similar to the Guardian's. And there's an excellent journalist who works for them called Stephen Naismith, and he's about the only person you can guarantee to get good news stories in with. Um, But there's a danger in that as well, because what you want to do is turn the news stories uh, into a positive reflection instead of trying to create uh, good news stories that are maybe not that newsworthy in terms of of an editor's sort of schedule and what he's prepared to put in the newspaper. So there was that sort of lack of interest, I think, to a certain extent um, in the the media. Although, you know, other people have turned that around. Um, We saw last year um, an organisation called Who Cares Scotland that that championed care leavers getting fantastic press coverage. uh, And that's because they used the care leavers themselves to talk about their experiences. And they did get proactive good news stories into the press. But that was another issue for us. Social workers aren't very good at talking themselves <coughs> up. Um, and I say that with up, yeah. utmost respect for what they do. And as a non-social worker, but they, they're not very good at saying we're really good at this and this is what we did. And when we try to get stories that we might have put out in our own newsletters <coughs> and magazines about what influence people had had, social workers had had on, on, on people's lives, they tended to talk about the achievements of the person, which is right and proper, um, but not really their own achievements um, and what they had done. And so trying to get them into a way of thinking that was about, actually, you do a really good job and Mm we want to hear about it Mm -hmm. was quite tricky. They're they're very modest. And, And the other thing that, we found particularly in rural areas in Scotland was the issue of confidentiality was a huge issue and even where the constraints maybe weren't real the actual fear of them or of what they might have been was worse. Uh, we had one case where we had a social worker who had a fantastic tale to tell about what she'd done and how she'd worked with an individual um, but she didn't want to be identified because she lived in such a rural area that she knew that if people knew she was a social worker, they would recognise her going into people's houses and, and that created a, a problem for her. Such a shame, um,
0: that, isn't it? Which,
1: which was really difficult. And we did get around it on a number of occasions, um, but the confidentiality issue is huge and, and it's right that it should be, but I think there are ways around it if, if um, I suppose frontline social workers or people that we were talking to have support from the managers and, and the elected members and the local authorities have the courage to do this, but it is you know, it is quite a
0: jump. Well, you and I, when we met, I remember we talked because you know that I'm offering, we offer media training to social workers. And and that's something that's the initiative that we'll talk further about. But, I mean, we're much, much on the same wavelength. I mean, for me, though, the issue's always been one of these things that local authorities and, and generally employers, because, I mean, the wider sort of network that you deal with, often confuse confidentiality with secrecy. Yes. And and I think, you know, there's plenty of bits in between where you don't need to give away people's personal details or identify young people or whatever, where you can still talk about good news or even, you know, the child protection issue that always comes up, you know? Yes. Why can't we educate journalists, um, and I've done it, I've lectured in in kind of further education colleges or or, um, journalists kind of, um, you know, when they they qualified, you know, I've talked to them about social work and talked to them generally about what happens in a child protection investigation, what the stages are, when to expect information and when not, when they can be included and when not. And so generally then it's much more of an acceptance of what's going on if they realise that there is a point that will come that they can be given information. Um, it's just a question that they don't want to identify uh, uh, children on the ground.
1: Yeah, and we had some issues with that because we had plenty of um, uh, information and stories and situations that we could use with the media um, if we kept identities of people uh, Concealed, Um, and the amount of rejection that we got from um, editors saying, "Well, we're not running the story unless we can identify someone, Mm -hmm. because it's not, you know, it's not a a personal interest story. If if the person isn't there, Um, and so we we came up against that quite a lot um, when the 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 sort of strategy that. um, the Who Cares organisation used to get good news stories about their young care leavers in the press. Was that those those young people were prepared to identify themselves, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a really big step, and, and they were very brave for doing so. And I think they have reaped the benefits of that. But there is a risk in doing that because you, you know you're quite young, and you know you don't want to maybe overexpose things that you might regret later. And I think that happens all the time. We had an individual um, who had had a serious alcohol problem um, and had recovered with the help of her social worker um, and had started her own business and was actually a very successful businesswoman. Um, And she was all set up to do an interview with one of the broadsheets. And at the last minute, she pulled out because she thought, what if some of my customers realise that I used to be an alcoholic? um, And what if they walk away? And lots of what ifs. And she decided it wasn't worth the risk, and and mm. and it, it is—it's a big ask for people um, to tell their stories, or for social workers to take the risk of perhaps identifying. But I mean, I think there are ways around it, and there are local authorities that have managed to do that quite successfully in in the face of quite, you know, difficult oh, yeah. press situations.
0: I think we're seeing the door opening a bit, if you'd agree. I mean, down in England, I know in Bristol they had the BBC and three one-hour programmes following a child protection team, and that was quite difficult to choreograph.
1: Absolutely, but if you can get the buy-in from the elected members and from the social work team, it can work really well. Mm. Um, It takes a lot of work to set up. You have to make sure the production companies are not going to sensationalise things, and they're going to have to give and take a bit with confidentiality. But if it works well, there's a similar thing happened in Edinburgh where we had a a film crew um, following a youth justice team, and that was fantastic.
0: Mm. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I think that we're finding these days, and I don't know if you'd agree, but generally in the UK social work uh social work social workers are actually now beginning to be recognized as the professionals that they are, and not you know we're not talking anymore about the lady of the manor coming down to deal with the poor of the parish no, uh, I'm uh, a wee bit away from that we're just a wee bit, but it's still locked in some people's minds this idea of this kind of volunteerism you know this kind of thing, however, when you see things like the big scandals have been going on about the sexual abuse inquiries and so forth and yeah the the Tens of, th- tens of hundreds or if not thousands of survivors that, that are actually in existence out there. Many are actually now um, waving anonymity and coming forward and talking because, in my view, I think they realize that we're far more professional, far more sensitive and far more aware of the situation and we're less likely to be judgmental and punitive.
1: Yeah it's interesting isn't it because you know in, in, in many of the child protection um, stories that hit the press and of course actually the number of children that die at the hands of their parents hasn't increased in decades but mm. some stories are just more interesting than others um, and it, what, what you do find is that the the social the social work team seems to take the hit because they, they don't come out and say actually this is what happened um, and I think sometimes there is that sort of sense of just don't really know what they do so, so we'll just say, say that it's their fault kind of thing and, and that's a bit that we need to get over and I must admit that in Scotland we have a, a very different relationship with government than I think um, many social work departments in, in England and Wales may have with, mm-hmm. with Westminster. We have a very supportive government and I think that was very well demonstrated um, a number of years ago when the baby Peter case mm-hmm. came about the press, mm-hmm. the ball's reaction versus Adam Ingram's reaction in, in the Scottish government um, a few months later, when the Dundee toddler Brandon Muir, when his murder trial mm-hmm. um, happened, and and that and that's been built on. And that's, I suppose, maybe the relationships are easier. You can have all 32 directors of social work or uh, 31 chief social work officers in Scotland in the same room, and we do have that that relationship. So when things go wrong, things can be managed a bit better, I think. So so we do benefit from that here. But there's definitely. A lot more to be done one of my colleagues said that when she's a when she meets new people and they ask what she does sometimes depends on the situation she just says she works for the council
0: no, <laughs> oh, no, I know that. that because she just oh, doesn't right.
1: want to take on the oh, and what do you do? And do you take away children and all that kind of stuff? And oh, she right. said, you know, it depends on who you're talking to. But sometimes you just think, no, I, I can't do that tonight. I'll just stay at work for the council.
0: I know. I mean, traffic wardens, lawyers, tax inspectors. You know, I mean, this this is where social work has been lumped in with and the kind of the, the the targets for the kind of um, the comedians yeah, and, and the other thing years. is, you know,
1: there are there are people who make mistakes in every profession. There are teachers that make mistakes. Doctors that make mistakes, police that make mistakes, and so social work isn't exempt from that, but neither are they. Um, I suppose when things go very badly wrong, what you have to appreciate is that people are human. Um, and although mistakes happen, and absolutely, they need to be corrected and we need to learn from them and um, make sure that people have to be disciplined if, that, if that's appropriate. But it shouldn't be
0: used to, to do down an entire profession. No, I mean, working with the media in a crisis is a skill. I mean, that's to be fair, because we're we're talking here, I was talking about frontline social workers being able to talk to the media and being trained to do so, but like you quite rightly said, that should only be about good news stories. Uh, Anything to do with the real serious stuff or, or problems or crisis should be dealt with by people at a much higher pay grade. I totally understand that, but they need to be trained as well properly in how to manage the media in a crisis, how to work with the media in a crisis. Yeah.
1: And some people do just shut down, they're terrified. Even in, in sort of good times are quite scared of speaking to journalists. Uh, we do quite extensive mem- uh, uh, media training with our members just to get over that initial fear. Um, and actually what you were saying about um, in times of crisis it should be senior management, I'm not sure that I agree entirely with that. I think when we met I said about when Terminal 5 at Heathrow was opened and it was a complete mm-hmm. disaster. Um, and uh, the, the, the airport authority that, or, that owned the airport did quite a smart thing in that they put the baggage handlers up to speak to the press and these were guys on minimum wage uh, explaining a really difficult situation and, you know, you, you weren't... I suppose you could have, they could have been accused of using uh, junior staff as a fall guy but it actually got a better picture out of what was happening mm. um, and I think sometimes if you could... If if there was a way when there was a time of crisis with a particular organisation or particular situation of actually getting people who do the job day in, day out to be there and and not be exposed or vulnerable or used as a scapegoat, but actually used in a way to explain exactly what happens and why things might go wrong. Um, then I think that can be incredibly powerful.
0: Well, I think that's the kind of thing that uh, the the workshops that you're planning, and then the, the the larger event in March that you're planning on World Social Work Day, yeah. probably would be lo- one of the things we'd be looking at. You know, is exactly who would be best to 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 face the media and to talk and to work with them. But let's let's not talk about anything adversarial here. To, to actually work with them, I think I, I'll de- I would debate that with you a bit more in terms of there must be places, yes, where frontline social workers, are a bit front, you know. The, the basic okay. and there have
1: grade. been uh-huh. um, and, and i think as well that to be honest journalists there are so few of them now with so many pressures mm. that actually if you can give them a helping hand with something yes. then, then yes. they usually they usually appreciate it we we ran a, a workshop for we had actually journalists on the panel and we had um, some frontline social workers to talk to them about how they actually deal with social work in the press and you know we did pretty well we got the the um the editor of the Daily Record, and we got someone from the BBC, and we got a features writer and a, and a, and a news writer as well from different from different papers in Scotland, and actually. They they admitted themselves of a story that had happened in Edinburgh recently, a tragic story of a woman who had killed her children and then herself. That their first reaction was where was social work, um, because there had been a custody battle over the children, which apparently led to the to the, the mother taking those actions. Uh, and and the social workers came straight in and said, why why did you automatically think we were involved? This was a contact case between two people that had no history of, you know, a. a association with social work services and she was she was suitably chastised and embarrassed and just and and very honestly admitted that she just thought that's what would happen Mm. um and I think so. I think your point about maybe getting into um, journalism classes for for students and speaking to the media directly—and it's quite small in Scotland—we do have quite a good relationship with quite a lot of the editors. But you know, when when deadlines are are facing people and you need to sell a paper, then sometimes those things go out
0: the window. Yeah. I think the the other factors, though, that I, I would kind of put forward here is that yes, Scotland is a much more tighter social work community than say England is. Um, and yes, it sounds like you've got a very healthy working relationship, and that's great. But when it comes to the media, um, I mean, if we if we take and accept the premise that newspapers are going to disappear fairly soon, yes. most, most of the stuff's going to be online. And of course, online and social media knows no geographic boundaries. Absolutely. And therefore, anything that happens in Edinburgh can be reported in Moscow in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean you know it, it, it's it's one of these ones in which there's an exponential growth and, and the media itself actually whether it's online and funnily enough magazines have, are growing uh, and in numbers as well in terms of what's available so if you look at social media, online availability, magazines um, apart from broadcast and other written media I mean you're looking at a, a, an animal if you like that's got a voracious appetite for Jeez. news and We can provide a lot of the good news for that, and that will be accepted if it's in the right format. I just think – but I wanted to go on a wee bit with you, Jane. but let's imagine that your event's over in March, and you begin to pull together um, policies and targets and outcomes and so forth that you'd like to see. I mean – how do you imagine the mechanics of this happening? How do you imagine um, things being implemented? I know it's an early stage and you need to consult and I'm not going to hold you to it, but just as a sort of how you're thinking at the moment.
1: Well, the working group that I pulled together had uh, members from voluntary, independent, local authority and health sectors to talk about, about how we manage this. And I think if if nothing else comes out of it other than a willingness of those partners and providers to work together because after all it's the same people that we're all supporting. Um, then that would be good for me because at the moment you know something happens in a care home, you know there's a there's an incident or a death in a care home and the local authority may have commissioned the service from an independent provider and and there's a sort of who's who's to blame type of thing as opposed to people coming together and saying okay we were all in this, the Local Authority Commission does to provide the service and local authorities accept responsibility for that and everyone's working together to say, this went wrong, this was a tragic thing that happened, what do we do to support that? Because the, f- the media will feed on different parts of the system blaming each other um, and, and that's not healthy. So I think one of the one of the sort of internal parts that would really, really help is if people um, were talking about a sort of set of guidelines that we would work to in times of crisis um, and also a set of guidelines that we'd work to to proactively promote the profession um, in times of, of good, you know, when we've got some, some good mm-hmm. stories to tell. So I think that would be really helpful. Um, and I think also a, a way of um, just working with uh, people to 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 educate them on what they can do with the media. I mean, as you say, the social media, magazines, there are different options out there now that might not have been as influential as, as yes. the daily rag. Yes. And I think if we can sort of capture that, um, and also the work with Stephen Webb that we're doing to talk about a social licence, which is really a sort of acceptance um, of, of, um, of social work with the general public. And there's also the part that, we're maybe a wee bit paranoid in social work about what people think of us, and sometimes it's not that bad. So part of what we're doing is uh, commissioning some um, research, or, or we're planning to do that anyway, which actually says what what do the med- what do the public really think of social workers? Mm. Um, what is the media's view? What about mm. politicians? What do they think and what do they understand? Because you can sort of real from one um there's always going to be some something in the, p- the press that's going to be bad um it, it rears up every few months or sometimes more often than that um so there'll always be something there but i think that can sort of condition you into thinking that everybody thinks social workers are awful and actually it's probably not as bad as that um and, and in fact quite far from it so i think some realistic research to say this is what you're actually up against would be really useful too
0: yes no i mean you know that i commissioned a survey um, that looked at the profession's view of, of, of our relationship with the media and there were some fairly stark um, uh, views there about the kind of negativity. And I think possibly you're right, you know okay, paranoid maybe is too extreme, but I certainly th- <laughs> I certainly think that that there there is great sensitivity amongst the profession. but look, let me ask you just two quick questions to sort of yep. finish up with. Um, firstly, Social media, let's go back to that for a minute or two, because not only is social media going to be, if you like, a kind of a blackboard, you know, online for social work and, and how we're actually seen and how we interact and all that, but there's going to be an awful lot more of kind of digital digital innovation when it comes to delivery of social work services. Um, Whether it's, you know, a lot of people arguing very strongly at the moment, the twos and the again, for and against Skype, for example, and doing visits by Skype instead of instead of actually the physical kind of contact or, you know, the, the smart homes where you've got every gadget under the sun and we can and we can now allow people to remotely live independently for much longer. Or uh, systems that involve care leavers who've been given an app that covers everything that they need to know about about their rights and what to do and who to go to yeah I mean there's an awful lot of innovatory stuff going on in social media. is that something that's much coming across your desk?
1: yeah, we are seeing it more and more um, and I think I suppose it, it it's interesting to sort of juxtapose juxt- suppose um, juxtapose the what you do in your own personal life you know, also sort of, mm. uh, well, you know that I contacted you on my son's iPad that you got for Christmas. Um, so, And then what happens in professional life, because that technology hasn't caught up as much, although it's available. It's not as maybe as widely used. And I think there is a place for it, absolutely. And we are seeing more of it. and The government are, are, are funding a huge digital rollout of, of home care um, uh, devices and, and pilots across Scotland. Um, but I suppose... There's a, there's, I suppose there's a hesitance within the profession, and, and, and I agree, agree with it to a certain extent that you actually can't replace people because that's what social work's about. Social work's about people supporting mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and I think that absolutely technology can help, and it should be used as much as it can, but it shouldn't take away from um, from actual real people helping people
0: out of the situation that, that they're in. Okay, thanks. Well, look, a final message then, Jane. I mean, what social workers listening to this? Scottish social workers in Scotland find social workers you know, in the wider world find what what sort of message would you give to the profession in your view, in terms of the years to come? I mean, do do you see an encouragement?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I suppose my message would be be brave and stand up for for your principles because they're they're very fine principles and people all over the world. And in Scotland, every day, get support from those principles. And if it wasn't for them, the world would be a very different place. Uh, We need social workers and, and stand up for yourselves.
0: Jane Devine, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I certainly find it very informative, and I think Jane's got to be somebody that we go back to sometime in the year ahead and get a sort of status check about all the various things that she was talking about. So, you can follow this on iTunes, on Stitcher, on PodFeed. You can um, catch me uh, on Twitter, at Dave Niven. Thanks, as always, to all the digital media for helping on the technical side of this podcast. I'm very glad to be back again. I know there was a little break. But apart from that, you're very welcome. And I look forward to uh, having your company next time. Thank you.